You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the one! I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner Coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! And it's a Monday episode, so uh, we will be having Mr. Matthew Fox. You can follow him at Nighthawk7734, back with us off vacation. And Mr. Dennis Bennett, you can follow him at Culture underscore Coach. Unfortunately, this is a little bit of a heavy episode to start out as we obviously lost one of one of the greats, not just in sports, but in the NBA, uh, in Kobe Bryant yesterday. So Matt is here with me. Not even going to ramble on about anything. We're going to jump him on. We're going to talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant and the other lives that were lost uh, early yesterday morning before we jump in and talk about everything when Dennis joins us. So as uh, I talked about there in the intro, we'll have Matt and Dennis with us today. Matt, back from his wonderful vacation uh, in Disneyland. So we'll start with with happy stuff first, as we obviously know a big uh, bombshell got dropped in the sports world yesterday. So Matt, how was your vacation? Tell us uh, tell us about your wonderful trip to Disneyland, how all that went out uh, for you and your wife. Well, it was really uh, exciting. You know, we went in last Monday, uh, and we were there for at the Disneyland Hotel for six nights uh, in the park for six days. Uh, had a lot of fun. Um, you know, they've opened. The last time I was there was in 2018, so that was pre-Galaxy's Edge. So I know that I was really excited to to hit up Star Wars Land. Uh, did all the things. Made made a lightsaber. Uh, she made a droid at the droid workshop. Very nice. Got to go on uh, the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run ride. Went on that several times. Tried some blue milk, which is uh, neither milk nor uh, <laughs> that good. It's like a uh, weird fruit slushy. Um, nice. Definitely was not expecting that. And then the big challenge, you know, uh, we did not know... When we booked this in August, we did not know Rise of the Resistance was going to open, and it opened three days before we arrived. So Mm -hmm. uh, that was the real nuts 
thing. Um, you know, it's just insanely popular right now. You basically have to be in the park on the app the minute the published open time happens and request a boarding group and see if you make it on in the day. So like by two minutes into the opening of the park, you know whether or not you're going to be able to ride it at all that day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Tuesday, we had four cracks. Basically we were not in early on Saturday, but we had four cracks Tuesday got in right away. Um, so that was pretty pumped because it was a lot lighter crowds, um, when we were able to go Wednesday, didn't get into a group Thursday, didn't uh, get in during the day. And then Friday got in, um, just barely like around five o'clock. Okay. So, uh, it is incredible. Uh, it is, you know, uh, a lot of, I don't really want to give anything away, but they said the, if. If you got Disney Plus, mm-hmm. um, there's an incredible show on there called The Imagineering Story, yes. which basically is six six hours, six hour long episodes that tell you going back all the way into the 50s when Walt Disney was there, how they built all the parks and attractions, mm-hmm. not just Disneyland and Disney World, but European ones. You get to meet the engineers, how they think things up. In the last episode of that, they talk a little bit about Rise of the Resistance and that the idea for them was that they wanted to put you in a movie. How do we make you in a Star Wars movie? And let me tell you, they found a way to accomplish it. It's probably about 15 minutes when you're on the ride. Uh It uh, is like three or four different types of rides all in one. Wow. Sounds uh, sounds interesting. I can't wait. I mean, you know that I, I get, I'm getting yeah. to go this summer uh, with my kids. So, oh man, that sounds awesome. I, I cannot wait for it. I mean, I know uh, we kind of talked a little bit here and there about the stuff that you were excited to do, and and for me, it's going to be the same thing as visiting the Star Wars land and doing all that stuff. It is going to be more for me than my kids, I'm sure. Uh, so I I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, there's there's really no easy transition uh, into this. Uh, we're waiting on Dennis to jump on, and so me and you were, were talking in the group chat, and I thought we might just do a little bit bit of this on air. As everybody has been talking about what happened yesterday in uh, uh, the crash that took nine people's lives, and I do want to mention all nine of them. We'll we'll probably mo- mostly talk about Kobe here uh, because that that's how it affects us in the sports world. Uh, but there were nine people on that helicopter, including obviously his daughter Gianna. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not going to say these last names right, and I apologize about that. But John uh, Altabelli, his wife Carrie Altabelli, and their daughter Alyssa Altabelli, who also left behind uh, their older son and daughter. One is about to go to college. One who works for the Boston Red Sox. I actually just retweeted a, a thing to try and help them out. Uh, another teammate of theirs, Christina Mauser, I believe. Or I'm sorry, no, Peyton Chester. And then you have Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, and then the pilot, Ara uh, Zobayan, I think is how you say his last name. So obviously there was more than just Kobe and his daughter that were affected. That, that was the news that kind of went spread everywhere because it is Kobe Bryant, obviously. Uh, and, and we understand that, but I do want to say, you know, say prayers for, for the other uh, uh, seven victims as well, besides Kobe and his daughter, who who are obviously families are going through a very hard time knowing that they're not getting their father, son, you know, daughter, mother, sister, brother, or any of that back. It, it's a it's a very hard yeah. time for them as well. Um, so I'll open it up to you. I've kind of been all over the place on this. Uh, it's obviously very tragic for me. 
uh, as a father, it hits harder to seeing the the three teenagers that went. Like, uh, it, it still kind of hits me hard thinking about like how hard that must have been to sit there with your daughter, knowing the end was coming, and, and if he was able to even bring her any comfort in those final minutes, has got to be just terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so we we woke up yesterday morning, obviously at the Disneyland Hotel, and. Um, Got driven to LAX. My flight time was at 12.01 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so I was actually in LAX. Our gate was like right next to the Magic Johnson Sports Forum shop um, when, you know, and there's just Lakers paraphernalia everywhere because yeah. they've been having such a, a great season. A lot of people waiting in line for the plane wearing Lakers stuff. Um, and that's where I was when I when I saw the news break and you know, really kind of just devastating. Um, there, some of the early tweets and stuff had footage of the helicopter going down, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was about to see until I was trying to catch stories before we, <laughs> we had to go into airplane mode and spend yeah. a lot, you know, probably a couple hour, it was two and a half hour flight kind of thinking about that as we were taken off going through the, the thick fog banks. It was hard not to, to think about that and be a little bummed out. I I was born in California, lived in California for the first 31 years of my life. Um, no California teams did I actually like except for the Lakers. Um, you know, that I used to watch those games with my dad. He was a big Laker fan. He uh-huh. picked us up at the airport. So we kind of talked about Kobe and, and the news and, and stuff like that, driving home yesterday and, um, you know, watching – watching stuff uh, today, thinking about it. Um, you know, I had written uh, about my appreciation for him as a player when he retired. I remember watching that final, uh, his final game when he exploded for 60 points and, and how great that was. Um, a couple of years ago, they had that animated short, Dear Basketball, which yeah. actually won the Academy Award. You can find it for free on YouTube. I would suggest uh, looking that up. Um, it was it choked me up when I watched it uh, before he passed away. So when I watched it today. It was really, it was really hard. It's it's amazing to think he's gone. You know, um, I'm sure you feel the same way now. You know, when you're younger and you hear people talk about they're 40 years old. Oh, that seems, you know, like a long way away, but yeah. there was a sense of, you know, I'm, I'm 38. I'll turn 39 in May. And, you know, I spent a long time kind of watching Kobe Bryant. It's weird to think, you know, that he's gone. Uh, and then to, to have gone with his daughter, I thought was even more devastating. He was just, uh, you know, he was a really great player and fierce competitor. And by, all accounts has spent, you know, obviously he had some, some public failures, uh, yeah. you know, personal failures that a lot of people were real hot to, to try to slam and bring up on social media yesterday that I thought was kind of disappointing. Um, you know, he was human. Yeah. He wasn't perfect. Uh, but you know, by all accounts, he, he has spent a lot of the last few years, especially out of basketball, really working on being a husband and a father. It's, it was, I can't even imagine we were talking about what it would be like, you know, for his wife. His youngest daughter was just born in June. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's, like I said, I'm not, I, I hate to, to put it this way. I'm not really sure how else to say it. It's, 
I'm obviously sad that sad that Kobe's gone. I mean, I, I mean, everybody knows here, huge Cleveland everything fan. Uh, so uh, it's not that I didn't like Kobe. I was, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the Patriots. You don't hate, you respect him, but you kind of hate him at the time for for how good he was and how how many championships they were winning back in the day. It was a little bit ridiculous. Now, granted, my Cavs were never really in it, so it's not like it bothered me as much as I know it did other people. Uh, but you you had to respect Kobe from afar from just the the way that he played, and and he clearly wanted to put himself in the conversation with his idol, Michael Jordan, and I think he's always done that. You go back and look at some of the best players of all time, and the, the arguments you get between the three now are, are Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron. And it's always Jordan, Kobe first because LeBron, LeBron has not accomplished quite as much as, as Kobe and, and Jordan did in the league. And so I'm with you. Like seeing everything he did as a player and everything that happened off the court – uh, for me, it's not nearly as as interesting as what we've seen him become since he left basketball. It's like he started a, a whole new chapter of his life. Uh, you know, everybody's been posting him, uh, the videos of him and his daughter. And, that, and again, is is what makes it even more heartbreaking is, you know, 41 is not old. You're, you are still very much, in my opinion, in the prime of your life at that point in time. But, but not just Gianna, but the other two, two, the other two young ladies as well. I mean, their lives weren't even started yet and, and they're no longer with us. And so that is, uh, it, it's just a d- tough day all around, obviously. For, and, and as you said, Vanessa, Vanessa Bryan, I mean, I could not imagine. I mean, to lose, to lose your husband and your daughter on the same day, uh, it, it cannot, I mean, just to those of us who have lost loved ones to begin with, and then those two have been, I believe, together since they were 17 years old, high school sweethearts. So she, he's literally been yeah. uh, the love of her life. And then to also lose your daughter so closely, too, to just having your other daughter born, I can't imagine is easy at at all. And uh, Dennis is ready to go, so we're going to pop him on here to see what he has to, to add to this discussion. So I, we don't want to go too much longer on this. I just wanted to, again, say, uh, you know, obviously prayers to, to him and his family and the other victims. If you guys do want to help any of them in any way, you can find it. I, I retweeted a bunch of stuff on Twitter. Uh, you can find it anywhere. Just I'm sure any little bit would help, especially with the other victims who are, are obviously not quite as financially stable either as the Bryants are. But uh, just a horrible day all around for, for sports and, and everybody uh, with, you know, kids and everything that were affected by that tragedy. So... Dennis is here. Uh, we're going to jump right in and do uh, – we're going to talk about what we got wrong on our predictions for uh, the AFC and NFC. Me and Dennis uh, did our rookie talk last week on Friday, talked about the how we had uh, projected out the rookie rankings and what we got right, what we got wrong. So we're going to do that today with the project, uh, predictions, my goodness, uh, uh, on our teams uh, before we start getting into – spending the rest of the week talking about, obviously, the biggest game of the year in the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. So before we jump into that, Dennis, how are you, buddy? Thanks for joining us, and how was your weekend? No, my weekend was pretty good. Had a kid with strep throat. Oh, gosh. So, you know, other than dealing with that, uh, the 14-year-old band seems to be coming along, though uh, he needs to get to the point where he can play a lot more than just the intros to a whole bunch of songs. <laughs> but his technique is coming along, so... Got to be honest, I'm kind of proud to listen to him crank up the distorted guitar and start wailing. Makes yeah. me feel good inside. That's, it's always good to see your kids accomplish something, so I'm, I'm happy for you there. All right, let's uh, let's jump in and, and just talk really mostly, at least for me, how wrong I was. And, and some of us were on some of these teams that we predicted earlier in the year. 
First and ten at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's in a 15, he's in a 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb, a love a hub. 92 yards. from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh my God! Oh my God! We'll start off with the AFC East. So I figure we'll just do it nice and easy. I'm just going to run down our four teams. And if you want to give any other talk on them or anything like that, you feel free. But I just kind of wanted to go through what we thought at the beginning of the year and obviously how it did or did not turn out. Uh, I'll start first. I had the Patriots at 11-5, and five, the Jets at 10-6, and six, the Bills at 7-9, and nine, and the Dolphins at 3-13. and 13. Uh, So obviously I was very heavily bought into the Jets, as I'm sure a lot of people were, but uh, I had them making the playoffs this year. Uh, did not work out. Said earlier in the season, I thought some of that might have to have been with, with Sam Darnold's mono. Uh, regardless, it just did not work out for them, and the Bills uh, were clearly a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, I mean, having them go 7-9 and nine and, and uh, making it into the playoffs, obviously. So, Matt, give us uh, your predictions for the AFC East. I had had uh, Patriots 12 and 4, Jets 10 and 6, Bills 4 and 12, Dolphins 2 and 14. Um, I had always thought there would be a second team in the AFC East that would be in playoff contention or make it in. I just was off Jets versus Bills even more so than yours. And, Dennis, what about yours? Oh, I had the Patriots at twelve and four, and the Jets at eight and eight, Bills at seven and nine, and Dolphins at three and thirteen. So, you know, I had the middle of it flip flopped. Yeah. Uh, you know, the obviously the Jets, they're not the Jets. The uh, Patriots weren't quite as good as uh, their first place finish might have uh, led us to believe. But we both got their record exactly right because yeah, they had finished true. twelve and four. <laughs> We'll take what we can get, that's for sure. Yeah, I let's feel end, like... Let's end after that, because, I mean, we got one of the records right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. Because right. I, I can tell you right now, uh, I mean, just looking at one, the AFC North is really going to hit all of us pretty hard here. So, let's let, you know, <laughs> take solace in what we can in some of these, because it, it, it's not pretty when you go back and look at it. Uh, in the AFC West, uh, Dennis, you go ahead and go first. How'd your AFC West shape up for you? Let's see. I had the Chiefs in first at twelve and four, followed by the Chargers at eleven and five, Broncos six and ten, Raiders at five and eleven. Uh, you know, got the Chiefs right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, go ahead, uh, Matt, because we all have a very consistent team here in, in the top of the yeah. AFC West, so I want to jump. We'll, we'll talk about them for a little bit, so go ahead. Give us yours. Uh, Chiefs 10-6, Chargers 12-4, and Chargers really screwed me, as we will see later when we talk about award predictions. Broncos 9-7, and seven. Um, I blame that one on the referees, and the Raiders 5-11, and 11. so obviously... I think all of us thought Antonio Brown's shenanigans with the Raiders were going to hit them harder than apparently it did. Yeah, so I had uh, Chiefs at eleven and five, Chargers at eleven and five, Broncos at eight and eight, and the Raiders at five and eleven. So we were all buying heavily into the Chargers. What is it that you guys think went wrong with them? Because we also got some news today that they are moving on from Philip Rivers. Do you blame well, all he of moved the on, on from them? them first? To be fair, since true, he moved true. to Florida. Very true. He well, we know he's not going to be back. Whether he broke up with them or they broke up with him, it has ended. Their relationship will no longer continue. Yeah. Where, where do you guys blame the fault in the Chargers? Because I don't want to say it was just us. There were clearly a lot of people who thought the Chargers yeah. were going to have another year like they did the year prior. Where again, they were right there with the Chiefs in a chance to win that division. So, what are your guys' thoughts on why the Chargers just completely kind of fell on their face this year? I think their defense underperformed some. They've got a lot of really nice parts on the defense, but they suffered some injuries. Uh, it, it just didn't quite gel. Melvin Gordon holding out while uh, Austin Eckler was great for fantasy. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily uh, was the answer uh, for what they needed at the time. I think he's going to be fine going forward. I expect they're going to let uh, Gordon walk and, and the, you know, they have to have some plan if they're letting rivers walk and Gordon walk, you know, Mike Williams came back to earth. He suffered a severe TD regression. So, you know, they lost Hunter Henry for a long stretch to injury. So there, there were a lot of little things I think that just added up for them that and, and rivers arm just isn't what it used to be. I saw somebody talking about Rivers going to Tampa today saying, oh, it'll be the next Carson Palmer. I'm like, well, he's five years older than Carson Palmer when Palmer joined the Cardinals. So I, I don't think that, I don't think that's fair, but it wouldn't surprise me if when all is said and done and it shakes out, if Rivers ends up back with the Chargers just because he moved his family to Florida. I mean, he's from Alabama, went to school in North Carolina. So most of his family lives over there. I would expect his most of his wife's family lives over there. And, they, you know, at some point they want to get the 17 grandchildren out where they can spend some time with the family on, on a regular basis. He wouldn't be the first quarterback to commute or, you know, spend a good portion of the, the year away. So... Well, I mean, the, well, char- the Chargers the, uh, came the- out and said that they are moving on from yeah. Rivers and they will I- not continue with him. I, I I get that that's what they're saying. I'm saying that it would it wouldn't surprise me still if when all things are said and done, they go, you know, maybe Tyrod Taylor isn't the bridge we thought he was. Oh, I don't think it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. I think it's going to be Tom Brady. Yeah. I think they're making a play because they're going into a new stadium. See, for me, I I think a big part of, you know, the Chargers have been homeless for three seasons, I think. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and last year, they were road warriors. They were 8-0 on the road, 4-4 four and four at home. Uh, you know, they had some more regression on 
on the road. I think just never having a home field advantage and there was a bad, you know, set of chemistry on that team. I think when the, it wasn't just the organization that told Melvin Gordon, we don't need you to win. It was a few key players, including Rivers, that said, if he doesn't want to be here, that's fine. I almost think they got worse when he came back. I watched a fair amount of Chargers games, probably closer to the West Coast and because it's my division. Mm -hmm. And I never thought they looked terrible in any games. They just weren't quite good enough to win. They probably had the, to me, I was surprised when I looked back and saw what their record was because I didn't think they were that bad at any point all the way along. It just, it just never came together for them. They would do little things and their chemistry looked bad. And I thought their offense actually looked worse when Gordon came back. I don't know if part of it's because he wasn't ready or because there was a lot of drama going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Philip Rivers whole body chemistry out there looked bad i think he had given up on the team before he moved to florida so i'm not surprised that they said they're moving on i didn't think he wanted to be there watching him in november and december and there was a lot of times when he was getting booed by fans and they they his coach publicly came out and said i was pretty close to yanking him and putting in tyrod taylor i don't think Taylor's the one they're going to go with going forward. I also don't think it's going to be Easton Stick, which was a lot of people's speculation on social media. I don't know that that's a move they're ready to make, but I, I think they'll go get somebody else and try to do something else. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, you've seen all the rumors about Tom, and I would not be surprised if they try and make a push for him. I still think they'd probably try and draft a quarterback. I mean, they're sitting at six. I believe yeah. they've got two first-round picks. Uh, so they can yeah. grab uh, a good, I, I would imagine, Herbert or Tua falls to at least six. Uh, really, you've got uh, Cincinnati and Miami up there who are probably going to take quarterbacks, and then you have the Chargers. So I would imagine they're going to get one of those three guys. Uh, it's not out yet, so maybe a little bit of foreshadowing or giving something away. I actually think Herbert, I wrote a draft profile for him uh, just recently for the Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I think that he lands in the Chargers, and I actually think that would be a great spot for him as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting if they bring Tommy in for a year or two, if they stick with Tyrod. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with Tyrod just because Anthony Lynn has such a, a close connection with him and truly believes in him back from their Buffalo days. Uh, but I'm with both of you. I don't think he's the answer. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they draft a quarterback and do the kind of the same thing Cleveland did a couple of years ago. Let Tyrod start off the year and then let the rookie kind of work his way into the spot if Tyrod get hurt, gets hurt or is uh, not playing well. Uh, in this division, the other team we really... I, you know what go I was going to say, too? I wouldn't be surprised if we hear in a couple, in a, in a couple months that Rivers decides to retire because he's the same draft class as Eli Manning. Yeah. yeah and Ben's contemplated it a few times. You know, they were all kind of there together. 2004, so long, you know, it was a lot longer ago than we want to admit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either, especially if no if no other teams really come a calling. Like I really think, you know, a lot of the reports when Eli talked about he was retiring, there was reports that he did reach out to some other teams to see if there'd be any interest, and he wasn't getting back the interest he thought, so he decided to retire. I would not be surprised. You're right if if Ben does the same thing. Uh, before we move on to the AFC North. Uh, Thoughts on the Raiders really quick, because we all had them at 5-11, and 11, and I mean 7-9 and is really only two more wins uh, than what we had, but they actually looked like a really good team uh, for parts of the year. 
going into Las Vegas next year, are we expecting them to compete? Maybe not for a division title, but for a wild card spot, or do you think they're still kind of in that seven and nine, eight and eight area? I think they have to solve some defensive problems and they have to solve wide receiver. I mean, Darren Waller is their best wide receiver. And then Hunter Renfro is their second best wide receiver. And Jalen Richard is their third best. Yeah. A lot of talk about uh, Robbie Anderson coming there. Do you like that? I, I don't hate it. But historically, wide receivers changing teams struggle that first year. And we saw it again last year with Odell Beckham. Yeah, Beckham is somewhat of a head case. But when you take into account a lot of the things that went on, uh, you, you just watch wide re- star wide receivers changing teams often struggle. Uh, or very good wide receivers, and I think Robbie kind of falls into that. Um, he's certainly not uh, at the level of Odell Beckham, but I, I do think he could come in and help. Uh, but they need—they just need more. They need a bona fide number one. They need a, a Julio Jones, a, a Cortland Sutton, somebody like that to come in. It's not Tyrell Williams. He's a two. Uh, yeah. Renfro is a great slot guy. Uh, and, Darren Waller is a, a big slot slash tight end. Miss, he's a matchup issue. But they need somebody that, that is going to be able to carry, that, that can go out and get them you know, 12 receptions for 190 yards and two touchdowns. And they don't have that guy right now. And then I'm not sure what's going on with Derek Carr. They like him. They don't like him. They're, they're a little unsure. You know, car. You hear all kinds of rumors about. Well, they're not that into him. They were just giving him another chance. I, I don't know if if he's the answer or if he isn't. It, it's it's so. I mean, some games he looked like the answer, and other games he looked like the question. So, it it it's really they lack a lot of consistency. I think the only thing they really have going for him is that Gruden is not going anywhere. He's got a cut. He's got probably three or four more years that he can continue to reshape this team without fear of getting canned. Yeah, I mean, uh, that you, you were saying they need wide receivers. I mean, this is the year to need them. I mean, this is going to be a loaded wide receiver class. So maybe they're able to really help out their wide receiver core if they don't get Robbie A. Uh, with some of the some of the guys in this class. In the AFC North, uh, I mean, the one caveat I'm going to give before we get to the one team we all had winning the division, uh, the Steelers did lose Big Ben, so I do think that is it's, it's a fair little caveat to give because we all had them with a winning record here. Uh, Browns, uh, I'll go first. I had the Browns winning the division at 10-6. and six. I had uh, the Ravens at 10-6, and six, Steelers at 9-7, and seven, and the Bengals at 6-10. and 10. Uh, so obviously way too high on the Bengals. Uh, and I mean, again, the Steelers, I think a lot of that had to do with Big Ben. Uh, clearly way too high. Well, I shouldn't say way too high, but too high on the Browns. I obviously bought way into that hype. Uh, do think this could be a really interesting division moving forward, though, whether Ben does or does not come back, having Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield likely as the three quarterbacks in the division, three young rising quarterbacks that uh, could be very interesting. Matt, how did you have the AFC North shaping up? I had the Browns and Steelers at 10 and 6, but I had the Steelers as the division winner. Uh, 9 and 7 for the Ravens, 3 and 13. I thought the Bengals were in bad shape. I, I also had the Browns and Steelers at 10 and 6. Uh, I think I had the Browns 
win in the division. Uh, Ravens at seven and nine, and Bengals at three and thirteen. Uh, you, you know the Browns. They, you know, were the Browns. I, I'm not sure going forward uh, if we're going to see uh, what type of changes we're going to see. You know, Podesta won the power battle with Dorsey, and he brought in his guy Barry at GM. Um, now they've got uh, a coach that Podesta wanted in Stefanski. And they have to rebuild that coaching staff. They they kept Stump Mitchell. He's a holdover, and they brought in O'Shea from Miami. Uh, but other than that, they, they need to fill out the entire staff. So it, it'll be interesting to see who Stefanski and Barry bring in to be the coordinators and the, the rest of the position coaches. The team has some talent, and they just have to put it all together. Uh, and they need to invest some draft picks in the offensive line. I think. Yeah, I think the Bra- we all thought the Browns, with the moves that they made and some of the high-profile talent they had, would be there. There are a couple of teams that I think uh, underperformed versus their roster. The Browns would be the big one in the AFC to me. Yeah, I would say the Browns are easily, you could argue probably the one that disappointed the most in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. So them yeah. and the Cowboys, I think, are right there with each other. And those yeah, two have the a Cowboys lot of, would be the other one yeah, that they, way underperformed against their roster talent. They, they interestingly have a lot of similarities as well. So it's a uh, very, uh, very interesting that those two are the ones that disappointed. Uh, hey, and now they both sent their head coaches to the Giants. So yeah, good luck, so Saquon watch, Barkley. Watch the no, watch <laughs> the Giants win the Super Bowl next year. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Uh, watch. Don't uh, say hurtful things. <laughs> uh, AFC South. I'm good night. Did I mess this one up big time? All right. So I was clearly a believer in Nick Foles and the Jaguars. I had them winning the division at nine and seven. Texans at eight and eight. Colts at seven and nine. And the Tennessee Titans. AFC championship losers at six and ten. So I was not believing in them at all. Uh, Matt, how did you have the AFC South shaking up? Um, I had Jags eight and eight, nine and seven for the Texans winning the division, and then seven and nine for both the Colts and Titans. I think when we did our our preview episode, I basically said you could talk me into any order of finish in this division, <clears throat> uh, and I think you know we we all not Dennis, but the two of us plus uh, our friend John had thought the Jaguars were due for a little bit of a bounce back season. They, they really kind of cratered the Texans, you know, nine, seven, 10 and six, not a huge difference. Uh, I think the Titans, part of my hesitation with them is I wasn't a believer in Mariota. If I would have been told, you know, six games into the season, he was going to be replaced with, uh, a Ryan Tannehill we've never seen before. I might have thought of them a little differently, but you know, I think if they would have done what they were doing for those first six games with Mariota throughout an entire season, seven and nine would have been an optimistic take. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have high hopes for this division at all. You know, I had uh, the Texans and Colts tie in at eight and eight with the Titans at seven and nine. And the Jags at five and eleven, um, I, you know Jacksonville just there. It all come down to the quarterback issues for them, I think. Um, while oh Minshew is a, is a cool story, I, I think as a quarterback he's he's a backup. 
I think he's a guy that'll get you a couple games. Uh, but I think he got, a, you know, he was just in there and he was overextended. I think if they play him as their starter next year, they're going to find out the same thing. I don't know if Foles is the answer either. Uh, you, you know, Foles has had a couple amazing runs in his career, but he's never been able to sustain year-over-year success. And I, I think that, unfortunately, might just be who Nick Foles is. Uh, I, I love the, the year that Leonard Fournette had, but it, they, it just couldn't you know propel them uh, up to standings. Indianapolis, you know, losing luck. And then Jacoby Brissett, you know, he's a serviceable game manager type. Uh, it, it would have been interesting to see if they had a, a solid, healthy core of wide receivers. You know, if they'd have had Funchess all season long, if they'd have had, uh, you know, maybe Durys Fountain or Deion Kane stayed healthy all year, didn't get let go. If Paris Campbell was healthy. T.Y. Hilton was healthy all year. Eric Ebron, you know, they they had they they had some weapons for him to to play with, but they just could never be healthy all year. So you know, Indianapolis was pretty snake bitten there. The run that Derrick Henry went on with Indian uh, with Tennessee that that was something. You know, he he I I I was clearly wrong about him last year. Uh, I don't know how long a future he has. Uh, with with the style of play he has, but Houston, you know, Houston went all in. Bill O'Brien got rid of the GM that he felt was holding him back, and he went all in on last year. Next year, he's going to have to hope these guys stay healthy because he's gotten rid of he's let let a lot of draft capital go, and so he's got to hope people stay healthy now. Yeah, uh, it. Uh... It's going to be interesting where this division goes. I mean, we I think we can all, too, admit that we were wrong on Derrick Henry. I don't think any of us were fans of his uh, earlier in the year on this podcast. So uh, we were all clearly wrong about him. We, we were definitely his uh, poster board material throughout the season because I don't think – I think it took probably till week 9 or 10 before I even started believing in him. I was like, ah, I guess you ha- really have to leave Derrick Henry in. So uh, not a great year for, for us on the predictions of Derrick Henry. Uh, Dennis, why don't you start us off on how you had the NFC North shaping up? Oh, hold on. I got to scroll. No, that's all right. Take your time. We'll fill her. All right. Uh, NFC North. Uh, I had the Packers at 11 and 5, and the Bears at 10 and 6, Vikings at 7 and 9, and my Woeful Lions at 6 and 10. Uh, you know, I got the winning team right in the division. Uh, the Bears, you know, I missed them. I, I just don't know. I don't think Trubisky's the answer. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Derek Mont, uh, David Montgomery didn't get the ball near enough for my liking. I think uh, Trey Burton showed us who he really is. Uh, it's interesting. We're doing a reset draft, and uh, Adam Shaheen went in that reset draft before Trey Burton mm-hmm. went. Not that I necessarily think that uh, Mitch Trubisky can support Adam Shaheen as the starting tight end either. I, right. I don't think he's... He's gonna. It's gonna come down. I think their target order is uh, uh, Robinson, Miller, Cohen. Um, but the Packers, you know, they won the division. And they they got the bye. They just. I, I'm. Boy, Aaron Rodgers. It looks like it. 
the end of the road might be coming for him. I don't know if he's yeah. disinterested. I know he's always had that sort of uh, aloof kind of away from you mentality. I don't really give a shit what you think kind of approach to the game. But it's starting to come off much more as uh, I'm just I'm just not really interested anymore. I, I don't I don't want to. Uh, I, yes, I want to win, but I don't want to have to be the one that makes these guys good. Uh, I want guys that are good, that are smart, that'll be where I expect them to be. And you know, I get it. You know, you, you want people that know their job and can do their job around you. But at, at some point when you got 11 players in, in an injury sport, uh, lots of guys go out. Rodgers, I don't know if he's got the mentality anymore to, to put the team on his shoulders and will it to victory. I think he might be just uh, running out of gas. Well, I feel like the Packers could end up uh, next year being what the Bears were this year, a team that you know, was really strong that, that maybe outperformed. I heard a – can't remember which columnist it was talking about how the bear the Packers he thought were a ten and sixteen masquerading as thirteen and three, and that's certainly what they look like in the NFC Championship game. They weren't even close yeah. to competing with San Francisco. That score got closer than the game ever was. Watching the first half, they just had no answers. And if you look at their Team, they have some talented but enigmatic players. That was why, you know, my preseason predictions, I had the Bears at 11 and 5. I didn't think they were going to fall off uh, as much as they did. Um, you know, a lot of questions about Matt Nagy, I think, rightly. You know, what was he doing? He seemed to figure it out and get that offense in better shape on the tail end of the season, but the first half they were an incredibly bad watch. Uh, and then I had the Packers and Vikings, both nine and seven, some similar things I think about those teams. And then seven to nine for the lions. I feel like the lions had injury apocalypse and they showed a lot more heart and fight in that first half of the season. I think they were a better team than their record indicated before they they, I mean, they lost everyone. Yeah, um, it was you know an incredible sight to watch. the The Vikings and the Packers. It's going to be interesting to see what they do this off season. Uh, you know, I have a f- few friends that are Viking fans that you know are waiting for Kirk Cousins' third year to come and go so that they can move on. I think that's telling. Uh, you know, they thought. That signing, I think, was going to be the answer in the window. There's a lot of rumblings that Stefan Diggs wants out and will be shipped somewhere in the offseason. You could see the Vikings kind of start to shift mm-hmm. uh, and come apart. Obviously, they lost both their coordinators, um, which will be interesting. And the Packers, you know, the Packers, they probably had the most unimpressive 13-3 and season in the NFL, and I don't mean that, you know, to be a total slam, but... There, you know, when you think of thirteen and three teams, you usually think of somebody who is dominant in some aspect or facet of the game. I never really felt that from the Packers. I, I agree with Dennis. Some of the the body language and reactions you get from Aaron Rodgers is interesting at times. Some of the way he seems to be communicating with his teammates is interesting at times. You know, we know there's been on and off friction for him and his head coach. 
they have some good pieces on offense and defense, but I don't know if they have two really great squads, and it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them be a nine and seven or a ten and six team next year, and and you know maybe drop down to a wild card. And you have to think Rogers' window is closing. I, I think he's thirty six now. You know we've that's you know that used to be an age where. You saw you were done. being done. You know, we forget with Brady and Breeze and, you know, Manning winning when he was 39, even though he was a shell of his former self. You know, we think about these guys going on and on. But the the great, you know, invincible Aaron Rodgers days are likely over. Yeah. Uh, so for me, on my, or I guess before I give mine real quick, what's interesting uh, about your predictions, Dennis, is I know Matt wasn't with us, but we did the five in, five out episode, and you actually had the Bears out and the Vikings in. Uh, so had you have, if you would have stuck with that, you would have had it right. Uh, but then we did that, I think, right after we did this one. So there's a little bit of uh, covering all your bases, and I like it. Smart, smart on <laughs> your part. Uh, let's see here for the NFC North. Uh, I had the Packers at eleven and five, the Vikings at ten and six, the Bears at nine and seven, the Lions at seven and nine. Uh, what I will echo on what Matt was saying, and I do think the Lions did get kind of screwed there earlier in the season. They were right in a lot of those games. I think they they could have beaten the Chiefs. Uh, I think they kind of got screwed. I can't, if it was Week One or Week Two with the game, and then obviously the Packers game as well. So the Lions, I thought much better than. Uh, than uh, what they ended up uh, being there. So uh, Packers, I'm with you guys. I'm confused at what's going to be them. I do think if they can add maybe another wide receiver or someone that can make plays opposite of Devontae Adams, uh, the offense might look a little bit better. We got to remember that this is a new offense. He is kind of, he's even openly admitted he's moving more into Matt LaFleur's offensive scheme, which is definitely different from anything he's had for almost a decade with Mike McCarthy. So maybe that has some to do with it. Uh, he did seem like he was getting beat up at times. So I'm sure at 36 years old, you're, you're tired of getting kind of knocked on your ass. Although the Packers offensive line was, I think, top five in, in a time allowed for passing. So, Whatever happens with the Packers this offseason will be interesting. And if that keeps, uh, if how much longer as Rodgers has, because I know me and Dennis, we talked about it here just recently uh, on the pod when Matt was off uh, in Disneyland, that I still think Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. So I, I do think he has a couple years left in him, but I think the Packers as an organization need to do a little bit more around him, especially on that offense, because that defense did really good this year. The NFC South, this is uh, another division where I really got the, got things wrong. I should have followed your guys' suit on the Carolina Panthers. I, I was all in. Matt and me and you have had discussions about this all season. Uh, I thought Cam Newton was going to come back healthy and the weapons they had around him. Uh, they were going to lead themselves to an NFC title division here. Uh, I had the Panthers at 10-6, and six, the Saints at 10-6, and six, the Falcons at 8-8, eight and eight, and the Bucks at 7-9. and nine. So uh, Saints, Bucks, uh, both really interesting right now. Saints, a lot of talk. Now we saw earlier on Twitter that they believe Taysom Hill, quote unquote, is the franchise quarterback, which astounds yes. me. They're but, drunk, uh, <laughs> please God. <laughs> but I uh, have so many dynasty shares. They, uh, they twenty-nine-year-old quarterback that's completed six passes in the NFL, yeah. with a college completion percentage of fifty-eight percent. They hire Tim Tebow as his quarterback there coach you go. and mentor. And you'll have that Tebow presence on the sideline with Sean Payton and and our boy and all my all my fantasy joy. It's just gonna 
Well, before you get too excited about Taysom Hill, they did say that if Breeze wants to come back, they will welcome him with open arms. Uh, he, from everything I read with the stuff he talked about during the Pro Bowl, was he's going to give it about a month before he makes his decision. Yeah. So we should know sometime within the next month if Breeze is going to come back or not. I, I would honestly be surprised if they went with Taysom Hill. But but who knows? And then obviously the Buccaneers as well. There's a lot of talk that Rivers might go there and that they may move on from Jameis Winston. So a lot of teams, including the Panthers now, what they're going to do with Cam, new head coach, this whole team seems to be in flux outside of the Falcons. So, Matt, how did you have the NFC shaping up? So, uh, NFC South, I thought Saints 12-4 uh, winning the division was pretty close there. Uh, I had Falcons 10-6. and six. I I thought they had a good team. I think they were a team that underperformed a little bit, uh, got off to a rough start. So that's that buck seven and nine. I think they actually finished seven and nine. I think we were both right about that. And then Panthers five and 11. I didn't think Cam Newton was healthy and I thought that was going to sink him. Uh, and for a little while, it looked like, uh, Kyle Allen might, might be able to reverse that, but, um, you know, not being healthy. It'll be interesting to see what happens to them in the offseason. I think they have big question of the quarterback too, uh, with Cam Newton. So this is uh, going to be an interesting division. My question for you guys would be based on the Phillip Rivers we saw this year, would he be a massive upgrade over James Winston? No. I, I, I don't think so at all. No, I, I, I agree. I'd, well, my one thing with, with that is kind of something I've, I've been talking about now uh, with a couple people is this year is not going to stay necessarily stick with this statement because of how many times uh, Rivers turned the ball over. But I wouldn't be surprised if Arians wants to bring in someone who is going to turn the ball over less than what Winston does because that is what costs you games. Like I get Winston can throw 30 to 50 touchdowns, but he also throws know, 30 Rivers interceptions. Rivers was throwing so many interceptions and turned the ball over so right. much down the stretch. That's why they wanted to bench him. That's what he's having trouble with. Oh, I agree. That's why I said it's not going to not make sense with what happened this year. But throughout his career, he hasn't been quite as turnover prone as, as Winston has been. I'm not saying it would be the smart move. I don't know what Tampa Bay is going to do. If, if I were Tampa Bay, I'd get a guy like Dalton. Or maybe, well, I wouldn't get Mariota, but I would not, I personally would not bring back Winston. That's just my opinion, so. It'd be hilarious if they dumped Jameis Winston for Marcus Mariota. <laughs> Actually, it kind of would. Uh, Dennis, how did you have the South shaping up? So I came in with the Saints at 13 and 3, followed by the Falcons at 9 and 7, the Panthers 5 and 11, and the Bucks at 4 and 12. Uh, you know, the Bucks don't have any running game at all, uh, but. You know, when you see what Winston did this year with absolutely the worst running game in the NFL, and it's, I mean, he, he led him to seven and nine. Yeah, he had, he went, he, he, he you know, he's going to be on ESPN 30 and 30 for 30, but still, <laughs> he, he, he's a baller and he's got, they've got great wide receivers, two good tight ends that they underuse, and, I expect, at the very least, Ronald Jones will be incrementally better. You know, they're not going to cut him yet because of the rookie contract. Uh, but I think him and Barber will flip, and, and Jones has flashed a little bit. Uh, you know, he's working towards that you know fifth or sixth year Justin Forsett breakout. Mm -hmm. But it's 
you know, Tampa needs to stick. They need to stick with Winston. Franchise tag him if you need to. You don't need to commit to him four or five more years. But the team is building, and and see if he can have that second year impact, third year impact, uh, Arians that is on Winston like he did on Carson Palmer. And if he does with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and and, and Justin Watson. Uh, Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. Let's see if maybe they bring in uh, a stud running back or something to to boost that game. Uh, the defense, I think, outplayed their talent for the most part in, in Tampa. So as long as they can uh, keep building on that, you know, they're in good shape to compete. Uh, you know, the Panthers. I, I didn't buy Cam being healthy. Uh, they won five games because Christian McCaffrey willed them to win five games. DJ Moore had a fantastic year. I think Curtis Samuel was like third in the league in air yards. Just none of the quarterbacks that played could actually get the ball close enough to him that he could catch it. So something will come on. I think Greg Olson finally retires and Ian Thomas will take over. But the Carolina defense wasn't great either. Uh, the Falcons, I think they're in the midst of, uh, that they need to start to admit that, uh, I, well, I think the Falcons are in position with Julio, Matt Ryan, Devonta Freeman. They, they are, I think are looking at it going, let's make one more run. And if they don't, if they don't make it to the playoffs this year, then they break up the band, including their coach. Who yep. Got a reprieve. Yeah. You know, the Bucks though, I think the one thing, you would also have to say in Winston's favor is they had the worst pass defense. If they could, if they weren't letting every game get into a shootout, you wouldn't be having as much pressure on your quarterback to try to fire it down the, I mean, some of those games he put up 40 points and they lost. Yeah. That's why I think you move on from them, but that's just, uh, that's just my opinion. All right, let's let's do NFC East. Uh, I'm so glad this turned out the way that I predicted because I got so much hate for being uh, being off the Cowboys here and uh, had the Eagles at ten and six, Cowboys at eight and eight, Redskins. I was uh, a lot higher than I should have been, seven and nine, and the Giants at five and eleven. Uh, you know, Cowboys, we'll see what happens. They're obviously one of the more interesting teams here. I mean, all three teams in the bottom of this division, Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, the way they finished, uh, will all, are all completely changing up their organizations for the most part with head coach changes and everything. So we'll see what happens with them. Eagles, uh, they'll continue uh, to, to keep winning and, and doing good things under Doug Peterson. Uh, Matt, how did you have the NFC East? I had the Eagles 10-6 and six, uh, as the winners, Cowboys 9-7. and seven. I thought they had a lot of talent, but they had Jason Garrett as their head coach. Turns out uh, I was one game too optimistic. Redskins 2-14, and 14, Giants 5-11. and 11. Um, You know, so actually I think the order of finish, I ended up pretty correct. Uh, not really surprised that three of these teams uh, are making some kind of a change. The Redskins have to do something. They were, they were probably the least uh, appealing team to watch. Uh, throughout this season, even the the Bengals when they were losing were throwing the ball some and looking fun. The Redskins were probably the toughest to watch in the entire NFL this last year. Yeah. I came in. I had the Eagles and Cowboys tied at ten and six, with the Cowboys winning the division. Uh, Giants at seven and nine, and the Redskins at four and twelve. Uh, 
You know, I, I, I'm a big Zeke Elliott fan. I love what he does. I predicted Dak Prescott would have a career year, which he did. Uh, I think ultimately it was the defense that let the Cowboys down. Um, Amari Cooper disappeared in a couple games like he's uh, known to do. But overall, I think Dallas, they needed a change at head coach because I think it got stale. But they they still have a lot of talent. It'll be interesting to see what McCarthy does down there. You know, the Eagles, they, I think, I, think uh, I, I missed a call uh, from them to go try out a wide receiver. It was... The, their wide receiver was a mess, and, and the fact that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside just did not step up really stunned me. Uh, I, I expected something to happen with that opportunity, and for for Greg Ward to come in and essentially down the stretch be the number one wide receiver in Philadelphia, I mean, there's some thought, I suppose, that Ward approaches after playing quarterback in college that he may approach wide receiver with a, a different knowledge base. And so that might have helped him. But still, Whiteside just just didn't step up and do anything. Aguilar was just dropping passes. Oh, my God, that guy. I don't know what we're going to do with him. Then the running game was what the running game was. Sanders finally took over and, and uh, showed that he was the guy. And they were led by their tight ends. Uh, Wentz looked good. So... Philadelphia, overall, I think they have a really solid foundation for what they want to do going forward. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the other teams can catch up. You know, New York has a good running back, good young wide receiver, good tight end. So they've got they've got some building blocks. I was disappointed in uh, the way Haskins performed, but. Given the way that Jay Gruden handled him, I suppose I'm not necessarily surprised. He was only a one-year starter at Ohio State, and, and he's a young guy. He's got some growing to do. He started to come on a little better. I like the connection he had with uh, McLaurin and with Harmon and with Trey Quinn, for that matter. But they were down, I think, at one point to their fourth-string tight end as well. Lost Darius Geist to a knee injury again, even though uh, uh, Adrian Peterson was in there just – Given it the old college try, you know Peterson, uh, you know he for, for where he's at in his career, super solid, three point nine yards a carry or something like that. He's he's not gonna give you a bunch of ten yarders, but he's gonna give you a whole bunch of four yarders. All right, so the NFC West, uh, Dennis, go ahead and kick it off. How'd you have the NFC West shaking out? So I had the uh, Rams at eleven and five. I guess I drank the Jared Goff Kool-Aid, the Sean McVay Kool-Aid. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, Seahawks at nine and seven, Niners at six and ten, and the Cardinals at four and twelve. Uh, let me see, did, who did I have making the playoffs? Did I have a wild card team coming from there? I don't think so. I did not. You nope. didn't know. Yeah. Just had the Rams making the playoffs. So, you know, that was that was pretty bad. You know. Gurley's knee, Brandon Cooks disappearing. Hopefully that's just a lost season for Brandon Cooks. But Goff struggled. McVay didn't, for all of the 2018 adjustments he made, it seemed like in 2019 he could not make a single adjustment 
to that offense to get anything going. They were just so, uh, you know, and as I look over at their record now, their real record was nine and seven. So I was only off by two games, but man, it sure seemed like they were so much worse. Yeah, I had the Rams 11 and five, uh, 49ers 10 and six. I had both those teams in the playoffs. I thought the 49ers would be better this year and would take a step into the playoffs. Didn't realize they were going to be quite so dominant. Uh, a lot of things came together for them. I had Seahawks eight and eight. Um, didn't expect them to step up as much as they did. And then Cardinals four and 12. So I think the Rams and the Seahawks were probably bigger, uh, surprises. You know, Rams just, couldn't get it done offensive uh, offensively they they struggled at times but the defense was kind of a bigger shocker you know i you rarely see a team who in the middle of the season uh ships out two pro bowl corners what they did with marcus peters and Tlaib, and then trades for one getting jalen ramsey and i felt like their defense almost got worse um you know, don't know what they're gonna do now they have done the stars and scrubs th- th- thing for a while. They're probably in worse draft capital s- straights than uh, the Houston Texans. Yeah, um, they're going to so be the Ra- doing stars and scrubs for a few more years. Yeah, for for a while, but you know, it just it backfired a little bit on them. On them here, I did was curious. Uh, you know what we saw with Tyler Higby toward the end of the season, kind of an interesting move. We'd be curious to see if that continues because he was one of those guys that was a surprise to me. They got kind of a splashy long term extension and early in the you know in the preseason. I was like, I don't even think he's a big part of their offense. And then we saw he he looked like one of the most dominant tight ends in football there for like four game stretch closing the season. Um, you know they're going to get some new blood some new people in there um you know it looks like mcveigh's trying to make some adjustments trying to to figure some things out i think a big question they're gonna have to wrestle with is they they invested a lot of money now in jared goff you know his first year as a rookie he looked like a total bust and then when mcveigh came in he looked great this year he looked somewhere in between I'm not sure we know exactly who the real Jared Goff is yet. Yeah. All right, so for me, uh, this was probably one of my closest divisions that I got right. A lot of that was uh, more John Hamler's kind of talking me into the 49ers. I was not quite as bold as him. I believe he went like 12-2 and two or something like that with them, uh, maybe 13-3, and three, which, I mean, he – had, I mean, he was close with that. So I, I went 10 and 6 for the 49ers, winning the division, the Seahawks at 9 and 7, Rams at 8 and 8, and then the Cardinals at 5 and 11. Uh, just had the 49ers making the playoffs, though. I had the Seahawks getting beat out by the Vikings. So let's go. Let's talk about our playoff teams really quick, uh, since it's just you and me, Matt, uh, or at least the, the whole world. We'll, we'll, we'll go, Dennis, the teams that you have in there as well. Uh, before we jump in, talk about who we had as our MVPs, coaches of the year, and all that. Uh, so for me in the AFC, I had it as Chiefs, Patriots, Browns, Jaguars, Chargers, Jets. So I got two teams right uh, out of all six in the AFC. Uh, but the NFC, I was actually very good outside of the Panthers. I had the Packers, Saints, 49ers, Eagles, uh, Panthers, and Vikings. So obviously the Seahawks made it in instead of the Panthers. So what? Uh, how did yours shape up, uh, Matt? I had Chargers, Patriots, Steelers, Texans, Jets, Browns in the AFC. So, like you, got two Texans, Patriots. NFC had Saints, Rams, Bears, Eagles, 
49ers Falcons, uh, so I had three. And Dennis, how did your shape up? The AFC had the Patriots, Chiefs, Browns, Texans, Chargers, and Steelers. So I went three for six. And the NFC, Saints, Rams, Packers, Cowboys, Bears, and Eagles. Did the Ram there did the Saints make the playoffs or did they yes. lose out? Yes, they did. So you three. went three for six okay. as well there too. So I went three they were for thirteen six and three. Well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for some reason I felt like they were playing it at the end to get in, but all right, so let's go uh, just for fun. We'll see how, how we all had this play out. So, Dennis, like I said, you, you did not do this part of the prediction, so if you want to give us yours, I don't know if you if you wrote yours down at all. Did you uh, did you write yours down on where you thought the teams would end up? Yeah, I picked the Chiefs and the Niners. Okay, oh, well, congratulations, buddy. You, you, Nostradamus is uh, Bennett over here. All right, so uh, for me and – You didn't uh, even pick the Niners. <laughs> I was like, oh, they snuck in on a technicality. What are you talking about? They they decided that they deserve to be there. That's 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 what happened. Uh, so for for me, uh, we'll go round by round, Matt, real quick, and then we'll jump into to our uh, other predictions. So for for me in round one, I had uh, the Browns over the Jets, the Jaguars over the Chargers, the 49ers over the Vikings, and the Panthers over the Eagles. What was your round one? Texans over the Jets, Browns over the Steelers, Bears over the Falcons, Eagles over the 49ers. At round two, I had Chiefs over Jags, Browns over Patriots, Saints over Panthers, and Packers over the 49ers. Matt, what we, what was yours? Chargers over the Browns, Patriots over the Texans, Bears over the Rams, Saints over the Eagles. And then to make it to the Super Bowl, I had Chiefs over the Browns, and wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. I had the Packers over the 49ers twice, so I don't know how I messed that up. But I had I had Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl with the Chiefs winning, so at least I got the AFC team right. Uh, so, Matt, what was yours? I had uh, Saints over Chargers in the Super Bowl, so uh, the Sadness Bowl. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean we were both buying really hard into the Saints there at the end, too, which just makes that even more difficult. All right, so let's just continue to uh, embarrass ourselves here a little bit more. So the NFL MVP, I mean, none of us were even close. I would say... Well, actually, we don't know. Dennis has a shot because uh, NFL yeah, honors Saturday true. night. Dennis has a better shot than me and you do. I would say mine is even more embarrassing than yours, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. I had my boy Baker, the touchdown maker, as the NFL MVP. I really thought him and Freddie Kitchens were going to come in and turn the Browns around and make them into a playoff team. Uh, And if they did make it into the AFC Championship and lose to the Chiefs, I thought there was no way that Baker wouldn't be the reason why they got there. Uh, So I went with Baker. Matt, who did you pick and why? Uh, I picked Philip Rivers. I thought the Chargers were going to have a good season. I thought they were really underrated the year before and narrowly missed, uh, you know, winning the division because of those battles with the Chiefs. So uh, I will say at least your uh, MVP pick is still on the team. So you you may have a stronger case than me. And Dennis, yeah. the closest out of the three of us, who did you have as the MVP this year? I, I went with Aaron Rodgers, but by no means do I think he had a uh, MVP type of season. You know, the, I don't know. The, His team was thirteen and three. You still yeah. have a shot. Yeah. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, coach of the year. We'll start with you, Dennis. Although me and you both had the same person, so I'll let uh, I'll let you take this one. Uh, who did we have winning coach of the year? You know, we had Freddie Kitchens, and you know, and I don't think I, I didn't expect the Browns to go deep into the playoffs. I, 
I didn't expect him to be in the Super Bowl. I did expect him to be at the top of the division, though. I I felt like there was chemistry there. And and oftentimes, when you catch lightning in a bottle and the chemistry is just right, it can obscure the inexperience while shit gets figured out. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Uh, Freddie just turned out to be... uh, you know, he didn't. I don't. I think if Freddie had went in and said, "Hey, Todd, I need you to call the offense while I learn how to be the be the GM of this team or the GM, the on-field guy that's in charge, the CEO," uh, rather than insist on being the play caller and try to do everything and be buddy buddy. You know, I spent a long time in restaurant management, and one thing that I used to the way the teams were structured was I I spent a good portion of my career as a kitchen manager or front of the house manager, assistant general manager. And my job was to be the hard ass so that the GM could be the nice guy. And I think Freddie is naturally a nice guy. And I don't think he let his coordinators be the ball busters that they needed to be. If he had turned that offense over to Munkin, and let him run it and, and put the clamps down on everybody and keep him in line, we might not be here. We m- probably wouldn't be talking about him as coach of the year or B- Baker even as MVP given the season uh, Lamar Jackson had. But Freddie might still be the head coach and Munkin might be, you know, they, they might really be something to behold. But the way they went about it, it was just a train wreck. And Matt, who did you have? Well, I was bought in on the Chargers, so I had Anthony Lynn. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, none of us were uh, we're going to win that. I had Freddie Kitchens as well. Uh, so, rookie of the year. Uh, I actually don't think all three of these were were bad picks at the time. Uh, obviously, one of them, unfortunately, just with the way that team went. Me and you, Dennis, kind of talked about this when we did the rookie episode. Uh, the other day on why that didn't work out. So in the AFC, uh, me and Matt both had Devin Singletary. Uh, and then uh, in the NFC, I had Kyler Murray. Uh, both had good years. Obviously would have loved to see more out of Devin Singletary. I'm sure the injury hurt some. And as you mentioned on the episode Friday, Dennis, the 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 them leaning so much on Frank Gore when they didn't need to really kind of hurt Singletary as well. I think Terry McLaurin's probably going to end up winning it. I'm interested to see who wins it uh, this weekend. Uh, but those are... Oh, those. It should be A.J. Brown over Terry McLaurin. Oh, you think so? I don't. I think Terry McLaurin A.J. was more Brown consistent. A.J. Brown had a thousand yard season for a team that didn't have a passing offense. Yeah, but all that most of that was at the end of the year. I feel like Terry McLaurin was more consistent throughout the year. He was great at the beginning of the year, but he was unplayable in fantasy down the stretch. Well, it's not all about fantasy, though. It's fantasy for us. But fantasy equates to your production on the field. What I'm saying is he would have had a better chance if Dennis was throwing him the ball than Dwayne Haskins. How dare you insult Mr. Haskins on this fine podcast, All right, sir. he would have had a better opportunity if no one was throwing the ball than Dwayne That's Haskins. That's even worse. So why you got to throw Haskins? He's never going to come on here now, all right? That's my goal is to get as many I, Buckeyes on God, here as I possible. hope so. I don't want to get any of that stink on us. <laughs> it's just uncalled for. Dennis, who did you have to win the Rookie of the Year? I had David Montgomery. Uh, unfortunately, he fell prey to the smart coach that uh, <laughs> didn't didn't run the the good running back. Uh, you know, I, I yeah. don't know. 
when, when your head coach is sitting up in a press conference and going, I know I need to run him more. I'm not an idiot. And then two games later isn't running him. It's like, no, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that that was funny. We we talked about that obviously a little bit on Friday's episode with the rookies. It's confusing to me as well. well. It was brutal because Montgomery. I think we both thought he had great talent and opportunity, and yeah. he still does. But it just that entire Chicago offense was an enigma. Oh yeah. And then last but not least, Matt, this was one that me and you discussed, and uh, I mean, we could not have been more wrong. We, I was right there with you on this. So who was uh, who was our pick to be the fantasy MVP of the season? Let's all pour one out for my last Chargers <laughs> selection, Justin Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> who, I mean, I thought that, uh, I think you and I both thought that while Eckler was a great receiver, that it Jackson was going to end up getting quite a share of the rushing load yes. with Gordon gone. I didn't think Gordon was going to come back at all. I I thought he would keep. I thought he would levy on Bell this season, and he came back. But even before he came back, it was like, oh, um, do they remember Justin Jackson plays for them? And then he got hurt, and uh, that spiraled no, into the they toilet. Didn't remember Justin Jackson played for them? Yeah. Well, now he is the only running back under contract, so maybe they will remember he plays for them because both Eckler and Gordon are free agents. Nope, they'll sign someone like Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore, and Justin Jackson will continue to How the bench. dare you? <laughs> Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, you know, we talked about this throughout the year. Even even when Eckler was going off in the first couple of weeks, we're like, yeah, but Justin Jackson's still going to come on, guys. Just give him a shot. And, oh, man. If only Someday we- my Justin Jackson and Taysom Hill shares are going to pay off probably at the same time. And then, you know, I can die. You're going to be destroying it in the fantasy world. Until then, it's probably not going to be looking good for you. Yeah, it's, uh, if only we could, uh, if only we could go back, it would have been, uh, we could see how wrong we were going to be. But, uh, Guys, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Talk about what we got wrong. After this episode, we will be now moving forward, and uh, we are going to spend the rest of the episodes this week talking about the Super Bowl. Should have a really good one between uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers. After we uh, recap it at some point in time next week, we'll be going full 2020 prospects, everything. No point in, in that much in looking back uh, from here forward. So appreciate both you Not guys for the season we had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't. I think. Yeah. yeah. Definitely time to flip the page. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you guys. uh, Thank you guys for joining me. Look forward to talking to you guys later this week. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, Lee. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play?